You are listening to the one of us.net podcast network. One of us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio based or banner ads, but on a case by case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at one of us net at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage one of us.net and sign up for a subscription at two, five, ten, or twenty five dollars and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. It's absolutely incredible that we live in a time where there's just so much content out there that a new film by Jean Genet, the French wacky filmmaker who made some of the greatest all-time cult classics ever, including one of my favorite movies of all time, Amelie, can put out a new movie, his first in nine years, and no one noticed. How did that happen? And, you know, it's not like it was like, oh, because it's not playing in a theater near you. No, it's on freaking Netflix. That being said, here's the troublesome news. The reason it came to Netflix is because even the French didn't want to make it. Oh, That made me go, wait, how could he not get the deal to make a new film? It doesn't bode well. I mean, his last film in 2013, I didn't even know existed until I was looking at him on Wikipedia, uh, the young and prodigious T.S. Spivet. I guess I'm going to have to search that out. I saw Micmacs, which came out in 2009, which I thought was great. But still, wow, what happened? We're going to sit here and take a look at his new one, which is indeed a very wacky, over-the-top Jean Genet film with lots and lots of thick sociopolitical subtext and tell you what we thought, because we're the Screener Squad, and that's what we do. Joining me here is Tessa. Hello, hello. Ray. Hello. And Bob, who is not my uncle. Hello, everybody nephew this new sci-fi comedy takes place in a the year like 2040 something it's in a suburban home that's all just packed with various ai i mean i thought my place was bad we have like four alexas and a google home so you know we're like oh we're the future no this place is like they've got a full-on humanoid droid like made that looks like something out of the jetsons almost they have this almost steampunky bust of a head called einstein which is more like probably like the equivalent of an alexa or something in this future world there's like a old school miniature sort of like little kid's best friend robot the person who lives there alice played by elsa zilberstein she has a date with this guy named max looks like probably their first date uh stefan de groot they're hanging out getting along when unfortunately her ex victor played by Youssef Hajdi, shows up with his new girlfriend, Jennifer, by by Claire Chust. He brings with them there with Alice, his ex, their daughter that they had adopted together. They're about to go off on a vacation, the ex-husband. The wife is irritated because she doesn't want to meet his new girlfriend, and she's trying to hook up with this guy, Max. Max has got his son there as well, his teenage son. The house is getting crowded very quickly, and especially then their neighbor, Francois, played by a regular from Genet, Isabelle Nan, 
bounty shows up for some reason. <laughs> and people start to get tense when suddenly they find that no one can leave. Why can't anyone leave? Well, the robots say, I'm sorry, the danger outside exceeds recommended levels. We literally, for your own protection, cannot let you leave the house. And they're like, well, that sucks. we got to find a way out of here. Unfortunately, what they seem either unwilling to accept or incapable of adjusting their schemas to is that there's a massive robot uprising going on where basically the cop robots, which look like aged robocops... That's what I said. <laughs> ...have made a move against humanity and... Let, no one saw this coming when they're regularly putting out this television show called Homo Ridiculous, which shows them tormenting human beings and treating them like scum. You're like, no one saw this coming, but they've made their move politically and are now in the midst of trying to take everything over and causing society to break down in chaos. And like I said, these people are just kind of oblivious that... They can't put this together that this is what is actually happening while their own robots are not part of this. In fact, their own robots just want themselves to be more loved by their humans and are scheming to try and figure out how to make themselves more accepted by the humes, as we robots like to call you disgusting humans. I can still smell your stench. Could the robots smell? It's a Matrix thing. Sorry. All right. (laughs) There's obviously a lot of subtext going on here. There's a lot of COVID stuff going on here and that this is about a bunch of people who are isolated and forced to live together when they really are just sick of each other and want to get out and they can't. There's a lot going on underneath the surface here and maybe too much. And I think if I have an issue here, I think overall, this is a deeply overstuffed film. It is just thing and then a thing and then a thing and then a thing. But then on top of all that, it's also a very French sex farce. Big Bug is odd. It is decidedly not going to be for everyone. I think not even necessarily for all John Genet fans. But that being said, I've never seen anything like it. Oh, I haven't either. And even when you say you haven't seen anything like it, a lot of that just has to do with the visuals, period. This is an incredibly pretty film to watch. I mean, you're talking about color. You're talking about set design. You're talking about costume. You're talking about it is lovely to look at. And on the surface, I think that it has to be something that was definitely thought out. And I think one of the reasons it was definitely thought out to be that pretty is it's another layer of that subtext. Everything you're looking at is so pretty. And if I looked at that and I was like, oh my God, I want to live there. I want to be in this wonderful, technical, but almost retro society. And then you start to realize that, of course, everything on the surface, even though it's pretty, there's all of this ugly underneath. But God, it's nice to look at. It's gorgeous. And I just want to jump in. I can't overstate how cute and nostalgic for me all the robots were. Einstein's made out of wood, but he kind of looks like TikTok from Return to Oz. The <laughs> little one Chris was talking about kind of looks like the old Tommy character. The android maid kind of reminded me of Electric Grandmother. I really dug the look out of it, but seeing them walk around in that one scene quoting Descartes, and Shakespeare, that was something else. Like at the beginning of the film, one of the quotes we get out of them reading out of a book is you have to believe to make believe. And I really think, you know, Ray's talking about how pretty it is. This isn't a subtle film, but it's for sure singular. And if you want to be along for the ride, I think like Chris said, like there is so much going on. I don't know if I wanted there to be less and it be a little shorter or of them just to have drawn it out and be longer. But man, it, it was something else getting through the flick. 
I had such a good time. It made me wonder if like he'd been trying for so long to get this thing made and kept coming up with new ideas. And by the time he did, he was like, fuck it. I'm just going to put them all in there because I don't know when yep. I'm going to get another chance to make a movie. And so he ended up with a film that's at points like, hey, pick a lane, buddy. I've seen a lot of sci-fi. So the through line of the robots wanting to be more human and how much they kind of like leaned into that whole bit seemed a bit kind of like tired and boring for me, I guess. I usually love sci-fi and I love of this director. I made actually an art piece for an Amelie show. I don't know. There's just something about this that didn't quite work for me when it like ticks all the boxes. I should like it. It's weird and it's zany. I like this director and it's sci-fi and there's like cool robots and like dystopian future. Like it has all these things that should work for me, but for some reason it just didn't. So I don't know if it's just because it just couldn't figure out what it wanted to do. Yeah. It felt like it was throwing a lot of different ideas and disgruntled old man yelling at cloud stuff at the screen and like weirdly even though it's a luddite film it's like maybe having all this technology and this ease is bad it couldn't have been made without the use of modern ease improving technology because it's just cg heavy as hell so it's kind of i don't know hypocritical in a way tongue-in-cheek yeah i mean i'm like i don't know how angry he actually is because the thing is decidedly a comedy but you come out of it going so you don't like humans that much seems clear and you definitely don't really like technology either i'm not sure what you like dogs they clone the dog a bunch they want to keep the dog but even they were like remember they were even like that dog is so dumb they kept saying how dumb the dog is <laughs> it's like i guess a copy of a copy of a copy just you know gets less and less <laughs> the, the xerox degrades exactly. it's like michael keaton right it's just like multiplicity yeah yeah yeah, the title Big Bug you might be expecting because it's a sci-fi movie set in the future that this is going to feature some, you know, like Starship Troopers, Big Bugs. It's not literal. It's more like bugs in computers. Like there's a big bug. You can't watch this on a totally literal level because it's too absurd. It's super absurd. I mean, you can follow it. Don't get me wrong. It's not the kind of weird that you're like, I'm not clear what's happening here, but nothing in it ever feels like you're watching something that's plausible to happen. Like people don't actually act this extreme. And like, you couldn't imagine if technology went wrong, this is the exact way it would go wrong. I mean, I think ultimately he is trying to make a sort of misanthropic comedy and that's more important to him than any of the subtext that's there. But I don't know. At the end, I'm like, I'm not really sure what you wanted to accomplish here. And I definitely never connected with any of these characters on any level. I mean, the only really likable character in here on any level and only because she doesn't specifically do something that makes her unlikable like everybody else is Mary Saul Furtard, who plays the adopted daughter. And it felt like the film was going to sort of end up centering it around her and make her some sort of moral center for the film. But it never really picks anyone. It remains an ensemble piece, but with nowhere to go except to wonder, are we actually going to see these characters have sex with each other? And when they do, it doesn't matter. Oh, man. I think in this, even though it's centered on the tech... I liked the humans much more, but I liked the humans much more in that everybody in that were so flawed sort of way. You know, they've even said that society has gotten to the point where people don't read anymore. Some people don't even know how to read and no one knows how to write. So maybe I gave them a little bit of a pass because he had set up for me that the society was kind of stupid anyway. And that plays into the whole, I don't know if this is even him literally being angry or literally trying to get anything across to us, or he just thought this was a cool scenario to make a movie with his unique sensibilities. I liked that he used a similar 
effect that they had in Alien Resurrection with their droid with the whole mole situation. Like the moles always end up being some sort of weird button or port or something. And like, <laughs> yeah. there's a point where one of the androids like tweezes like an eyebrow hair and like something comes out. I don't even know. What was that? I was unclear. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like a lot of this is just like nothing but like a very French farce, like something like the discreet charm of the bourgeois up until the point where we really get into full on. Now they have to directly confront the fact that there are all these elderly robocops running around trying to basically imprison or kill humans, which in and of themselves are a exaggerated metaphor for authoritarianism creeping into society. No question. But the way he chooses to shoot these things and the, the actor that he has playing the cyborg, Francois Leventhal, who has worked with him on a number of films, I believe, is hysterical. And they got these big, white, perfect, but very fake teeth they give him. And he's just <laughs> just constantly making these extreme facial expressions with lots of Dutch angles. And it's so eminently fun to watch. You could enjoy this just watching it with the sound off and playing your favorite like electronic music to it. And just like as background, you would still have a great time just watching how good Janae is at visuals and creativity. I just felt like the actual text of the piece is overall just kind of mid. It does kind of jump around because on some sense, there's so many references and homages and stuff like that. Like Alice is walking around the Jacques Privé movie, Children of Paradise. Paris is so small when you're with the one you love or whatever the quote is. And then there's human foie gras and band cheeses. Like it was a big swing. And the stuff with the teenagers, I thought was going to work more to keep it in the middle. It seemed to me like it would have been the coolest soap opera I'd ever seen if we could have got a multi episode, like apartment building version of this. Like I'd watch the hell out of it. Yeah, it, it does feel like you could have taken this and made it where it was a whole apartment building instead of one house that was shut down with these people living in different places, add some more characters, make it spread out over a season. But you know what? I get sick of hearing myself go i would have liked this better as a tv show because i feel like i have to say it so often but i will say hey it's time for final thoughts and robert why don't you continue on into yours especially through the first two thirds there's a lot of fade to black transitions usually see like going to commercial and i dug that i might have not been sober when i watched it but it made me imagine a world where fucking tv's like that like this is the stuff you saw on tv like that would be cool It, it, it was so visually off the charts that it was on netflix i don't know what that means for the audience for this film but Stuff like seeing the little robot say, I'm a knight that's empty on the inside. And then also seeing that we're keeping discourse about government takeovers and burning of books. I was here for it. I wasn't in a great mood. This movie put me over the moon. I'm going to go eight out of 10 banned cheeses. Right? This is a film that I enjoyed watching visually, especially. This is a film that I can recommend to some people, but I'm not sure I can recommend it to everyone. Just because, yes, we're talking about all of the themes and so many themes that it gets it gets kind of muddy. This is an acquired kind of taste anyway. It's, it's a big French farce. And of course, right off the bat, we have subtitles. And unfortunately, I know people who won't watch films with subtitles. And I don't know why I'm friends with those people, but it, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> but... I did enjoy watching the performances very much, especially, you know, Isabel Nanty. I mean, and she's in many of his films, but she, as the kind of kooky neighbor, stole the scenes that she got to come to the forefront in. I think that there's a lot to like about this film, but I do think in the end it's a little muddy. If I'm going to compare it to um, his other films, I can't necessarily put it up there with Amelie and Mick Max and some of these others, but I still really enjoyed it. You should just sit back maybe with a glass of wine and go with this and watch this film. I'm going to give it 7.5 out of 
10 crickets that came out of a jar. Hey, soon we'll all be eating insects. So get ready to go like, wow, that's some good cricket. I already have. <laughs> Tessa? I think I'm probably going to be a little harsher on this. I've seen a lot of this director's other films, Janu, and just something about this just didn't have the same sort of whimsy. I guess maybe what Chris was talking about that maybe seemed like he was angry about our world, which, I mean, who isn't a little frustrated right now? So I don't know. I just felt like it was missing some sort of... Je ne sais quoi. (laughs) Yeah, aura, like something that usually his films have. I don't know. It just felt like this was lacking a soul, maybe. This robot is an empty knight. It makes me very sad that it's got all this glorious embossed and carved shapes on the armor, but on the inside, this is not as much for me. I've had to screen a lot of sci-fi films. Some of these plot points and tropes just aren't that engaging for me. So I guess that makes it kind of lose points. It's a gorgeous film and the performances are great. There's also just the whole aspect of the robots at one point. Like, I'm not sure if they just want to be more human or if they want to fuck the humans. It's real weird. So there's some awkwardness going on with these robots. I think I'm going to have to give this six out of 10 androids that somehow know hypnotism. You know, I'm going to lean more with Tessa on this one because I think it really did have some tonal problems, especially when it came to the house robots, who it just never completely feels clear. What exactly is your goal here? Like, what is wrong with you? Slash, what are you trying to accomplish? And why are you trying to accomplish it? And the movie spends a lot of time with those robots, too. Them trying to learn how to be more human in a way that would make Data blush. In other words, doing it very, very badly. Even Data tells a joke better than these guys do. I think Jean Genet was just playing a lot of Fallout and wanted to make like his own private prequel to the Fallout games. Like, this is what society looked like right before it got nuked. Because <laughs> it fits. This is eminently watchable, and I think... People who are big fans of John Janae are going to be disappointed ultimately, but still go. It gives me all the best stuff you get from a Janae film, which is his crazy visual stuff that he does better than anyone, his unique style. I mean, he's as unique a visionary director as someone like Wes Anderson is, where you're like, you know, immediately you're looking at a John Janae film. And that stuff is great. But yeah, I kind of wish that everything else that it had more of a point that it came together because it felt like someone imitating Janae more in that sense more than Janae himself but hopefully a lot of people will watch it anyway maybe it'll lead them to some of his other brilliant films like Delicatessen and City of Lost Children and we'll get another Jean Janae film sooner than later because that would be nice not to have to wait nine years for a new one every time anyway I'm going to give this seven out of ten very horny sex robots because we didn't even mention that Francois the neighbor of Eventually, her robot comes over, played by Alban Lenoir, uh, Greg, who is supposed to be like a workout robot, but she has uh, your high-tech dildo, is what the people refer to the robot as. The video they play of him running on the treadmill for her, he's naked. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, your trainer's naked. Mm-hmm. I mean, who wouldn't have a sex robot if they had an option to look like whatever they wanted it to? I mean, I don't want to seem like the gross guy here, but come on, don't lie to yourself. You know very well, and you just pictured in your head what celebrity or combination of celebrities your robot would look like. And God, if anybody starts that company, invest in it, because they're going to make billions. Immediately. In fact, I'm pretty sure that that is happening right now. It is, actually. There was a whole documentary on it. Oh, my God. I know there's a VR company now that does exactly that. You basically say, well, this is the person I want this VR sex thing to look like. And so they make 
the, and develop the most realistic possible version of it. And if you have haptic feedback things for your VR, you can even have it tingle you in the right areas at the appropriate times. This already exists. Technology has always been led by sex. Sorry, we humans are gross and <laughs> fluidy. 